With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Happy New Year, everybody, and uh, welcome back to the Elm Park Rules podcast. We're going to look back at a New Year's Day victory against Fulham, 2-1 down at Craven Cottage. Joining me to look back at the uh, victory from yesterday is Eric. Good evening. How are you doing, Eric? Yeah, good, thanks. Yourself? Yes, pretty, pretty good after yesterday. And being, right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And being joined on the other end of the line as well is uh, Matt Harris, joining us for his first time on the podcast. Hi, uh, everyone. Yeah, nice one, Matt. So, Fulham yesterday turned up to West London with an unchanged lineup. Fourth game in a row with an unchanged lineup. Matt, did you expect to see any rotation after what was a pretty busy, busy Christmas period? Or did you think winning team, leave it as it is, happy with that? I wasn't particularly surprised that he kept with the same lineup. Although one of the things that did surprise me was was Charlie Adam getting in the squad for, for the fourth game running. Um, you know, he's he's quite old now. And for him to, to do four games in that space of time, I thought was quite impressive. But you know, if you look at our performances recently, we have been good and there is something to be said for sticking with the same squad. So, no, I thought it was a good decision from Bowen to, to carry on with the same squad. But, yeah, Adam was probably the only surprise for me. Yeah, I mean, Adam obviously is not playing 90 minutes every week currently. So, yeah, potentially there is a, the, there's probably an argument for, you know, keep the same starting 11 and, and move on to the next game. Leave Adam in the squad and look to try and make your changes during the game when uh, potentially Adam might not be able to last 90 minutes for four games in 10 days or whatever it is. Um, Quite interesting what what Adam said in the interview, that he feels like he's getting fitter as well. I think more football is is giving him fitness. It's got to be helping him, hasn't it? Because I don't think he played that many games last season particularly. No. the other point to that is he's actually contributing on the pitch. You know, he, he had a part in both goals and uh, he has done in the, in the kind of run that we've had. So you can't really take him out. I think he looked sharper each game as well. I think he's yeah, getting better. I, agree. I, I really do. It's, his touch was good uh, against Fulham. Some really good passes. He does sometimes do a few things which are a bit questionable. But now I think he's getting better. And defensively as well, I, I sort of start the season, I was very doubtful. But I think he's, yeah, I think he's improving all the time. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's certainly better addition than a lot of people were expecting at the start of the season. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's yeah. proving it every week at the minute that he's still able to get by in the championship at the very least. Oh yeah, um, definitely. definitely. If, if not, if not become one of these like key players for the squad. Yeah, my, uh, myself included. I was super doubtful when we signed him. I thought I was signing <laughs> another, another Dave Edwards, David Myler type character. Yeah. But you know, so yeah. far, he's been a way better signing than both of those already. So Yeah. Looking at the actual game then, we started off pretty much on the back foot. First 10 minutes, Fulham were very dominant for the first 10 minutes. And maybe eight, nine minutes in, Raphael made one of the saves of the season so far. 
it's on every highlight video um, from the game. You'll definitely see it if you go and watch the highlights online. Raphael makes not one, not two, but three saves back to back in front of the Reading fans. And Eric, what do you think of Raphael's last four weeks or so in goal for us? Because to me, he seems to be proving that he's he is that replacement that we were looking for for Martinez. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, looking at everything that he's done, like just as, uh, aside from the football, you know, the fact that he's learned English, he's already done an interview in English in three months. He's um, obviously that's going to help his communication with the back line. And I think the fact that we've only conceded one goal in the last four games speaks uh, volumes, right? And he's made a couple of key saves in that run. Um, the one on Saturday, uh, or the one yesterday, sorry, I thought was a, was a stonewall goal. You know, I thought... You know, this is going to be one nil down, and he just—it was like a miracle. So, yeah, Rafael has played a big part. I think um, Martinez was a really tough player to replace, but he's certainly gone some way to do that. I think him him praying in at the start of every half is probably helping with those miracles, Eric. If I'm I don't know to do that, so I'm not sure it does. Of course, Rafael made a number of key saves yesterday, Matt. The one in the second half as well. Yeah. Uh, close to the end of the game, I think it must have been in the 88th, 89th minute uh, yeah. from the from the header which he pushed onto the bar. Yeah. That was an incredible save. What did you make of his overall performance yesterday? Well, I thought I thought it was brilliant. Um, again, in terms of his shot stopping, and I think you know over the last over this run of games where we've been doing well, he's been crucial. Really, he made some good saves against Preston, uh, QPR, and yesterday as well. Um, the one thing I do question a bit about him sometimes is distribution. I think you know. Often when he's pinging the ball wide, sometimes he's he might knock it out of play. But I think as a shot stopper, um, and generally his reflexes are, are just brilliant, and he's been he's he's getting better and better. But yeah, his, his distribution sometimes I've sort of been a bit. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. He does have a touch of the Yakolas about him. He does tend to knock it out of play from a goal kick every once in a while, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Thing though, it reminds me of what Marcus Hanneman used to do. Marcus Hanneman always used to knock it towards the wing. And I think sometimes when you're asking him to knock it to the wing, because the tactic is clearly aim for Mate, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you're going to knock it out of play. You can't get it spot on every time. Hanneman used to do it. He used to frustrate the life out of me, but I think it was a on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, more, more, more often than not, it comes off. But I've just sort of sometimes just seen it happen, and it's just sort of been quite poor. But now, overall, I think he's he's doing really well for us, and he's definitely the the replacement we needed for Martinez. I agree. Yeah, definitely, definitely that that replacement that we were looking for i just quite, quite be- can't quite believe that we've got a former brazil number one like he's got a cap for brazil i think he must be our first and only brazilian international player right it's got to be yeah definitely. No, i don't think, i don't think piazon was quite at the the level to get a cap no and uh, we haven't we didn't we didn't ever get ronaldo to sign for us unfortunately so and uh talking of ronaldo goal scorer of course we have our own goal scorer at the minute. Three and three now for John Swift. And 15 minutes into the game, pretty much a replica of that goal against Preston. Um, John Swift makes a late run into the area from a Tyler Blackett cutback. Matt, what did you think of the goal? Uh, I thought it was a brilliant goal. I think it, it was really satisfying because it all came from some really good defensive work and then sort of a few nice direct passes. And I thought Swift, Ajara and Blackett in that move all showed some really good p- composure. And the pass from Adam out to, I think it was Swift initially, was really good. 
then a bit of luck with the finish. But I think, you know, Swift keeps finding himself in those positions sort of in and around the parks in sort of really good shooting opportunities. And the same thing happened yesterday for the, for the second goal. Even though Adam scored it, Swift had pulled back nicely. And he sort of reminds me of... Um, of Lampard in that respect as a midfielder, he's sort of always in a good position to score, maybe tap-ins, but now nah, it was it was like the Preston one, um, and that sort of swift break into the box and black it down the wings. Clearly, a good combination. Yeah, I agree. I've I've been very impressed with Swift's movement, and it's something I only noticed when I was watching the highlights back today. He actually pulls himself into the area up to the six-yard line and then drops back a couple of yards as he's coming up to the defender. Um, and you can you can see him creating that space for himself. Um, it, of course, he was assisted again by Blackett, Eric, uh, and Blackett is really, you know, taking that left back position and making it his own over the past few weeks. And not many people would have thought that Blackett would have put been putting in these performances what 12, 18 months ago when he was pretty much jeered off at the Medeski. Yeah, I think uh, he's had a, a bit of an up and down time at Reading hasn't he but uh, the way he's playing he's pushing to, to definitely start you know again we haven't conceded so that speaks volumes he was up against uh, Knockout who's one of the better wingers in the division on his day um, and yeah he's got those assists now which is which is quite incredible three assists in two games from left back which is which is brilliant and on current form you've got to be thinking we need to give him a new contract you wouldn't be. You would be very surprised if we were to not at least be offering him something. I think, yeah, uh, yeah because yeah. none of the it feels like none of the left backs at the minute have necessarily come out and cemented that position as their own. But yet, none of them have been so bad as to say that they couldn't take it as their own as well. So it's, I think it's a it's a very nice position, but a tough position to be in for for Bowen there. Great, great, yeah. I'd say, I'd say it's a similar situation on the right-hand side now as well. I think Gunter's come in um, and he's done really well as well. And you wonder when Yeardom is back from injury, does he actually come back into the squad now? Because I think Gunter and Blackett, two players at the start of the season who I probably wasn't their biggest fan, but in, in the recent run of fixtures, I'd, I'd struggle to see how they can fall out of the squad. Um, and it's been a really pleasant surprise. I mean, they've both really upped it. And, you know, you're looking at them and thinking, I, I wouldn't be dropping either of them at the minute. Definitely not. Eric, Gunter, yeah. yes or no? I'm still... I think Yeardom's a better player, um, personally. Uh, I think he offers more going forward, potentially. That being said, Gunter's actually put some really good crosses in the last few weeks. So I get what you're saying. I think that an argument can be made both ways. But for me, Yeardom is the best right back in the division. I can't think of anyone better in the championship from right back. So for me, he comes back in. It's a bold, bold claim, Eric. I, I haven't got anybody off the top of my head, but uh, I mean, I know I know a certain Liam Moore would probably agree with you there. He's he's very much a fan of Vierdom as well. Um, the the rest of the first half was, I mean, to me it felt fairly even. The rest of the first half, there was a a very very speculative long shot from Charlie Adam, and I think it was either just inside our own half or just inside the Fulham half. I'm not actually sure. Um, with the keeper, must have been 12, 15 yards off his line. It did go wide. It was not wide by that much in reality. Um, and the atmosphere in that Reading end during the probably the end of the first, yeah, towards the end of the first half and start of the second half, that was one of the better away atmospheres I've experienced in a number of years now. Um, it, Matt, 
can you remember any kind of away atmospheres where you've seen I don't know two thousand Reading fans up on their feet and jumping around? Uh, um, all of us standing. I mean, uh, you're going back some years now, but um, Bristol City a few years ago when we came back, I think from the 70th minute on, everyone was on their feet. That was really good. Um, Ipswich, to be fair as well, last year that was a cracking atmosphere. But no, yesterday was right up there. It was. Um, it's it's very rare that I'm sort of three or four row back and you know still standing. And I, that was a really really nice surprise yesterday. Um, but no, I thought I thought the atmosphere was brilliant. I thought everyone was singing. It was a bit of a surprise, especially on New Year's Day. With I'm sure quite a lot of people still with a few sore heads. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there was definitely not much evidence of dry January in, uh, in no, the, the game where we were. Uh, Bowen came out and said it as well, didn't he? Apart from 30 seconds after they scored, was, you could hear Fulham and yep. Definitely, the Fulham, Fulham were silent, and I mean, I don't think that's particularly new. Every time we go to Craven Cottage, it's silent. I've yeah. never seen any kind of real atmosphere at Fulham, particularly even when they beat us. What was it, five nil a few years ago? Understand? Yeah, yeah. Even in the playoff semi-final, through parts of that, they were quite quiet after we went 1-0 up. Um, they got clappers for a reason, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, they, they do struggle with their home atmosphere, home atmosphere for sure. Um, yeah. I think not having that fourth stand is probably helping them actually in reality because at least it forces them not to have a weird neutral zone in the away end. But, you know, we'll, we'll disregard that for now because it's obviously a... It's a Fulham issue, and, and we're, we're here to discuss Reading. Second half, Reading came out pretty much on the front foot, I would say. Um, Reading went 2-0 up very early on in the second half, maybe three minutes into the second half or so. Ajaria pretty much left Joe Bryan for dead. Um, I'd be surprised if he's even even wanted to get out of bed this morning watching that back. Who was it, sorry? Malcolm Christie on the right uh, wing. Uh, Cyrus Christie, Cyrus Christie, not Cyrus. Jay Brown. What am I talking about? Yeah, Cyrus Christie. We both yeah. have got it. There we go. There we go. <laughs> we'll between us, yeah. Um, either way, Ajaria pretty much did what Ajaria has done every week this season. Left a player for, like, absolute, absolute dead. Went past him without really moving. He has this weird ability, I think, to... Uh, go past someone without he him needing to actually move himself um, and set up Adam for the for the second goal. Eric, Ajaria yesterday, what did you think of his overall performance, not just the not just the skill for that goal? Yeah, I think it's really good, isn't it? He's he's really um, really playing quite well out on the left hand side, which you wouldn't say is his natural position. And up until yesterday I was been sort of saying I'd like to see him back in the middle, but Yesterday, I mean, yeah, Cyrus Christie was was having a nightmare against him, and uh, I could watch that that dribble on on loop for hours, I think. Um, but more importantly than that, you know, to set up to the first goal, he made that key interception in our own penalty area, and then he's run all the way back up the other end to to you know set up the move for the first goal. So he's not just contributing offensively; he's also contributing defensively out on the wing, which is which is impressive. So I thought he was. Uh, you know, he's not always, you know, the centre of attention, the centre of everything, but the, the few things that he did yesterday that were noticeable, he did really well, and they were both key to both goals, and without it, we wouldn't have won, so. I think it's been quite under underrated how well he's playing defensively, actually. He's making a lot of interceptions. Um, 
which we didn't necessarily see when he's playing in the centre. And um, it, it, it does, yeah, it does strike me that he, maybe left wing isn't most his most, you know, most favoured position. However, he does the few things that he is managing to do there, like you say, he is doing with like a level above what you would expect from from an actual left winger. Yeah, I think the one thing you always ask for Majari is end product. And in the yeah. last couple of games, that's exactly what he's shown. He's shown end product. And as long as he's doing that, it doesn't really matter where he plays. You know, if he's going to produce that sort of thing, you can put him anywhere. From, yeah. You know, or, yeah. I think the key thing about that as well is that because he's out on the wing, it allows us to play both Swift and Adam. Uh, and it just adds more creativity to the team because otherwise we're relying on one of those dropping out and maybe having a Rinomota in there or having a different winger on there potentially. Yeah, I'd agree. I think a lot of the times this season, although obviously Ajari has been a fan's favourite and he's been brilliant, there have been a few occasions where I've been watching him and he's done a brilliant piece of skill. He's gone past someone um, and then he sort of bursts into the box and you think, yeah, just pull it back, square it. And then he tries to take on someone else and the, the end product hasn't always been there. But I think in the last few games, as you said, you know, he's, he's really up that. And I think that assist yesterday, he did something very similar against Brentford when we were there. He took on about three men, he burst into the box and then his cross came to nothing. But yesterday, it seems like he's adding that to his game as well, which is very, very dangerous for, for teams in the championship if, he's, if he ups his end product as well. I think you're right about the him deciding to take men on is definitely something that I've noticed. He, uh, yesterday, he, he burst into the box through the centre quite late on. He was tackled, and he's one of these players who doesn't go down very easily. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he could have had a penalty yesterday. Definitely, I think definitely. It reminds me a little bit like that of Glenn Little. Glenn Little used to be like that. He used to tackle him, but he didn't use to get tackled, if that makes sense. Yeah, he, he, was, he was very much a player who... Stayed on his feet. Yeah, even, and also, even if someone the, came into him. Yeah, the ability to go past players without actually doing it using pace, you know, just using skill, is quite incredible. But that that's something that I've been missing from from Swift's game as well. Actually, you know, John Swift when he first signed for us, he used to take players on, and he actually did that a couple of times yesterday, which I thought was encouraging because he also yeah. has that in his locker. That is something that I think Ajara is definitely bringing out more in Swift. Yeah, there was a there was a piece of skill down on the the touchline nearest to the away fans yesterday. Where yeah. Swift, yeah, yeah. Swift, um, I don't even know what the skill is called to be honest. But roulette spin. So I I'm sure like some, that, yeah. there's going to be some FIFA player out there who's like, no, it's not a roulette spin. It's something completely different. And I, I sound really old there, but um, yeah, he he roulette spin around one player and then dragged it back through past another player. Um, and the yeah the away end loved it. it was a real real touch of skill and I think Swift's he, he's definitely bringing that ability out more now that Ajar is in the team it's almost like they're trying to you know one up and you know one up the yeah yeah, yeah yeah which is only good for the team as well I think yeah Bowen's mentioned it before that they like playing with each other and I think that's quite clear they they're often finding each other when they were both out of the team and when one of them was out of the team and Swift was out, you know, you could tell the creativity went right down. When they're both in the team, it just seems like we always have that possibility to get a goal from somewhere or, or from nowhere almost when both of them are in the team because they both have that bit of magic. Yeah, it, it, Yeah, it doesn't feel like we have to have that many chances to be able to create a really good chance with them in the team, which is a, a big change in the last couple of years, certainly. 
Um, obviously, with the goal, Ajari did end up cutting it back to Adam, who was, what, two yards out, three yards out, hit it home. I think it was an underrated finish, you know. It was, he, he was in between defenders. He, he, again, found the space. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was close to goal and stuff, but he found the space and it was, you know, he hammered it home, didn't he? Yeah, people are labelling that as a tap-in. That's not what I view as a tap-in. He's still had a bit to do. There are a lot of people around him. And I think, you know, the keeper could have saved that as well. I thought it was a really good finish. And, you know, I don't think he's getting quite the credit he deserves for it. Yeah. What I want to know is how many bruises Alex got from the celebration. I've got <laughs> at least two. I've got one on my shin, which is a pretty dark one. I've got one on my arm, which is a pretty dark one. Um, the group that I was celebrating with said pretty much the same thing yesterday after the, when they got home that they have bruises pretty much all up and down their legs. And I'm sure I'm not the only person who that applies to. Um, the yeah, the goal itself was was I'd say a pretty good finish in the end from Adam. Um, celebration in front of the away end was was really quite quite something as well. And there was, yeah, complete limbs, basically, in the away end for that. And it was um, one of one of my most celebrated goals for a while, yeah. uh, despite the fact it was just a routine league goal against Fulham. Um, we could have gone 3-0 up pretty shortly after that. Lucas Zhao missed a chance from very close in uh, and put it wide for maybe three, four yards, I think it was. Probably, it was probably a similar sort of position as to where Adam scored from, actually. And um, the ball came into him on the floor, and he's I don't really know how he's put it wide, in all honesty, because it's probably tougher to put that wide than it is to at least get it on target. I thought the keeper saved it. When I've watched the highlights back at the time, I thought he missed it. But then looking at the highlights back, I thought the keeper saved it. But I don't I know. I think the keeper got a touch, but it might have been heading wide anyway. Cause yeah, yeah, no idea. They never but... for a corner, but what I think happened was... He was unsure whether to header it, chest it down, or take it down. And because he hesitated, he then had too much time on his hand that he ended up just sort of stumbling with it. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of that push guest chance that he had against Bristol City earlier in the season where oh. he kind of had the ball under his feet. He wasn't quite sure what to do with it. And by the time the ball came to him, it was too late. Yeah. yeah. You want you want your striker to be instinctive there and take it first time, don't you? Like, yes, he had a lot of time and space, but it allowed the goalkeeper to close him down. Like, just take it first time. Yeah, he's on his yeah, own. Just, just, just finish, um, and that's I'm game just, over. Then I, I'm just going to grab my phone charger. I'm on two percent. I've just realised. <laughs> um, yeah, you do want your you do want your strikers to pretty much just finish the finish the chances first time if they can because it's it's one of those things that Pushkas had the same problem earlier in the season where it's, you can't really be relying your striker to take touches if they don't have the confidence to well, necessarily even the confidence but the I guess the you want them to have that instinctiveness so that they can just finish it and put the game to bed yeah when you have strikers who are going to think about it you're only going to have strikers who don't score yeah but to be fair to Lucas Zhao he's been really good since he came back in so you've got to yeah. count now it and no I agree I agree I'm not gonna can't get on his back too much and I think he had a very good game again yesterday leading the line on his own yeah this, I thought it was good. yeah this formation suits him I think when he's the focal point when he's being relied on to hold the ball up you know that that's a good role for him and you know he's scored some goals as well now um and yeah, that's why I was kind of surprised that he didn't put that one away yesterday because he's been on a good run of form. But uh, he's been brilliant. I just hope that he's not injured. Mark Bowen said that it, 
hopefully was just cramp. So let's yeah. hope that's the case. He did go down. I think we were maybe not through on goal, but there was a ball played through to him fairly late on and he went down with what appeared to be a hamstring injury. But as you say, hopefully it's not nothing yeah. too serious and it's just at cramp. The, I mean, the, At the time well, it looked pretty bad, but I mean, he looked in sort of serious pain like he'd really done something because he was in on goal as well. He was He was sort of through clear and then, yeah, just our luck. I mean, something that got mentioned to me yesterday while we were at the game was that just before he went down, Sam Baldock did come. He kind of strolled onto the field just before he got subbed and shouted something over to Zhao. And whether that was something along the lines of, yeah, go on, go down, waste time, don't know. But Zhao did end up going to the bench, not straight into the dressing room. So oh, yeah. Yeah. hopefully for, it's not. Oh, it he was jumping up and down in the dressing room, didn't he? So maybe it was just a bit of clever time wasting from, from Reading. Yes, essentially. Um, Fulham did get one back, and that was our first goal conceded since. I can't. Even, I can't even remember that far back, Eric. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, far back. Sometime last year, that's all it was. That's all I can yeah. remember. Um, yeah, it was our first goal conceded for five games. Pretty neat finish, to be honest, from Caviero. Um, maybe eighteen yards out from the left-hand side of the box. What do you? To me, it looks a little bit like maybe Gunter could get a little tighter, Matt. Yeah, I'd agree. I think this is one thing Gunter's done over the years. Um, when he's sort of got a tricky fast winger who runs up against him, he backs off. He's got a tendency to back off. Um, and I think if he if he shuts it down, because he did a few times, to be fair, he stopped a few crosses. But I think there, if he gets a bit tighter, he, he definitely he at least stops the shot. Um, and also, he's shown him inside as well, which with a player like Cavallari, you can't really afford to do. Um, and I don't know why he always does it because I remember in the season we got we got to the playoffs as well. He, he did it consistently every week. He never seems to learn to actually just shut them down and, and not just allow them a, a sort of free shot. But I definitely think he could have done more then. Definitely. It does feel yeah. It does feel like it's probably late enough into Gunn's career now that we're pr- he's probably not going to change yeah. that kind of yeah. trait about him really, is he? I think he. We're we're pretty prone. We're pretty used to seeing him, you know, drop off a drop off a winger and and, and try and not go in too quickly against him. Um, yeah, it was Gunter's three hundredth appearance for Reading yesterday. Um, something that maybe went a little under the radar, with given how big the result was. Um, Eric, any classic Chris Gunter performances that you can remember, or did none spring to mind? Uh, well, I think that's just the player he is, isn't he? He's a solid six, six, sometimes seven out of ten every single week. Um, yeah, there's a there's a reason he's, you know, he was sold by Spurs, right? He he had all the potential growing up at Cardiff, went to Spurs, didn't quite cut it at Premier League level, as we also saw when we were in the Premier League. But the one thing you would say is what a pro. He was, you know, completely out of the dark, training with the youth team. He's come back in straight away, performed. And so you've got to give him credit and you've got to appreciate he's only the 28th player, I think, to, to make 300 appearances for Reading. So fair play. Um, not sure whether he'll still be here next season. My suspicion is perhaps not. But um, yeah, certainly these last few games since he's been in, he's played really well. Uh, credit to, to Bowen as well for that, I think. Making a very elite list there of only yeah, 28, as Eric said. So congrats to Chris Gunter. Um Five minutes after the goal, we made a formation change. Mate, who was, to me, looked pretty anonymous yesterday, in all honesty. I know he's playing like a 
kind of defensive right wing role. It's not really necessarily his um, first choice of position, but uh, yeah, he looked pretty anonymous to me yesterday. Came off after 63, 64 minutes for Matt Miazga and we went to five at the back. Is it good to see Matt Miazga back, Eric? I think so. Um, Starting on Mate, though, I actually think he's played quite well in recent weeks out on that right wing. I don't think he's as exposed with some of his flaws. You know, his technique sometimes playing up front is a bit off somewhat. But yeah, certainly yesterday he was a bit anonymous and taking him off was, I think, the right choice. Um, it was very much proven by Matt Miazga making a key interception, stopping a goal right seconds after he came on. So uh, yeah, I think it was a good move. How about yourself, Alex? What do you think? I was a big fan of the move. Um, not necessarily just because it was Matt Miazga coming on, but more of a tactical decision uh, to go five at the back there. We basically forced Fulham to go wide every time they had the ball in that last half hour because we had three centre-backs and Pele, who will come on to it in a couple of seconds, um, sitting just in front of that back three, meant that every single attack had to go wide. And once it goes wide, you're relying on you're relying on one of your strikers to get past more Miazga and Morrison to get a header in on goal. It's how many chances is the team going to create if you've got that kind of, you know, that kind of defence there? And it's, I think that's pretty much shown in the fact that what we've got the second, uh, is it second best or best defence in the league now since Bowen's come in? I think we've only conceded. I think it's the best since he's, since he's come in. It's eleven in fourteen games. I think. I think I saw on Twitter that's the best. But yeah. So, I mean, it's. I think the tactical change is something that that was really pleasing to see because... I think once once we had that three at the back, I think they only had one really clear-cut chance, which um, it was a Mitrovic header that Rafael pushed onto the bar. So, like you say, they pushed everything wide. And then when you're pushing everything wide and we've got three big centre-halves uh, and Pele in front, uh, you know, it makes us, makes us solid. Yeah, I think it, it's one of the criticisms that Bowen came under in the first maybe four or five games that he was here, that he wasn't necessarily all that reactive and his tactical knowledge was maybe a little bit, I don't know, shoddy in games. But I think perhaps it's actually not as bad as was being made out at that time. I think that was a really good decision yesterday. Um, and moving on to, as I was saying Pele yesterday, I think, was one of his best performances for Reading. And I think since he's come back to the side, he has been given definitely a different role in the side. Instead of this playing in this double pivot where we've been playing like a 4-2-3-1 or a 5-3-2, we've been playing this 4-1-4-1 with Pele as a very central defence midfielder, Matt. Um, and he definitely looks like a much improved player in the last six weeks or so under Bowen. What, what do you think to Pele's yeah, points yesterday? I thought Pele in the last few weeks has been really good. I think defensively he's, he does the, the really nasty work, sort of breaks up play and gets us going. And um, I think when he was in that double pivot role, he had a tendency sometimes to sort of try and play David Beckham passes. And I I don't think he's got that in his locker that much particularly. So I think it's better for him to just be sitting in, winning the ball back, playing it to Swift, playing it to Adam into Ajaria. Um, I think that that works better um, than him being a sort of pivotal player who's expected to create. I think he's he's better as a player who breaks up play, gets us going uh, on the transition. I think that's when he works best. I think the, the tactical change from Bowen 
you got to acknowledge that. But also, I think you know Pele's really stepped up in the last few weeks as well. Yeah, I'm I'm a massive Andy Rinomoto fan. I, I really like Andy Rinomoto, yeah. but I think at the moment he's rightly keeping him out of the team. Yeah, I, I think actually... I think Rinomoto's valuable off the bench as well. I think when when Adam's legs are going and you bring Rinomoto on in the in the 60th minute, I mean that's a really good sub to be making. Uh, I mean it's almost a luxury really because the energy that he that he came on with yesterday and again breaking up play, doing the sort of role Pele had been doing, but two players in there to do it. I thought, yeah, I thought that was that was really good and Rinomoto definitely still has a part to play in the squad, but at the minute Pele is keeping him out. Yeah, I mean he at the minute Pele's performances are are not going to see him dropped because it. He's just he's screening that defence just too well, and as you say, Matt, he's he's transitioning the play. Now he's got that centre of the field. He doesn't look quite as lost when he's trying to move the ball forwards. Um, it, it, often earlier in the season, it felt like he was a little bit lost when he was moving the ball forwards because he didn't really know where to give it because yeah. there was only one man in front of him. And two yeah, with um. One of the things with Pele, uh, when he first signed for us, I think he was dwelling on the ball. I think he was a bit unused to the pace of the championship. So he'd get caught out a few times. Whereas now he gets the ball and he's, you know, one or two touches and then moves it on. I think that's helped. So I think that might just be acclimatising to playing in the championship, potentially. You can definitely see why Monaco spent whatever it was, 10 million euros on him. Yeah. It, it might not be a 10 million euro player, but you can see that there's definitely something there about him. Yeah, and when he keeps it simple like he has been, he's he's superb, yeah. And as as the time wore down, as Eric mentioned, Raphael made one more excellent save, pushing the ball onto the bar from a Mitrovic header. Um, and I mean, apart from that, Matt, yesterday Mitrovic was pretty quiet. Yeah, I thought I thought Morrison did a brilliant job, and more to be fair, in, in keeping him quiet. Um, he is always a threat. I mean, there were a few moments in the first half where he, where he got the ball in the box and. Whenever he's on it in and around our box, I am nervous because he only nearly really needs one or two chances. But I think if you look at that compared with the game in October, um, where he sort of ran right a bit, I think it's really encouraging to see that defensively, it's not just the 1v1s where we're better, but as a system, I think we, we nullified the threat. We forced a lot of crosses, which obviously... Had a little bit of technical problem there. Uh, hopefully yeah. that fixed it, fixed itself. Uh, yeah, I do agree. The system is definitely helping. I think moving to four at the back has probably helped. Um, Eric and I were discussing this earlier today about the fact that since we moved to four at the back with Derby, since the Derby game, we haven't really let in that many major chances. To be honest, um, no. I think Liam Moore, Liam Moore has discussed it in the past, hasn't he? That it's his favourite position. Yeah, he prefers to play in a four. Yeah. And if he's one of your, if he's your best defender and you're going to play in a formation that isn't suited to his game, then it, is that really sensible? Yeah, I think there's a few contributing factors, isn't there? You want more um, playing in his favourite position, but also with Pele in front of them, it just helps then you don't almost need that third centre-back anyway because most teams in the league play one up front or three up front or whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, it's working at the moment. We'll see how the season goes on. We've got some good teams in the next few weeks, right? So Yeah, we've got Forrest up next in the league, Millwall and then Forrest again. So, 
that's three te- well three games against teams who are in the playoffs coming up uh, in, the, in the next what three weeks or so. Um, before that, obviously, we've got a cup game this weekend, and uh, we're at home to Blackpool. Um, what do you both reckon we should be doing in terms of team selection this weekend? Do you kind of do a little bit of rotation? Do you go full squad rotation? Where where do you think the changes should be made, Matt? Uh, I think a little bit of rotation, um, definitely give a few players a rest. Uh, I'd be, I mean, obviously Adam wants to play it's Blackpool, but I'd maybe even be starting him on the bench, um, bring him on. I think it's important we rest players, but you know we've got to respect Blackpool as well. They're doing quite well in League One. They're not, they're not a terrible side by any means. Um, but I'd, I'd sort of pack the bench out with youngsters, try and get the job done early doors, then think about bringing a few of them on. Maybe, you know, and a start to Elise if we can, because uh, I'd like to see him back in action too. Um, but personally, I wouldn't change too much, um, but I would be thinking about putting a few youngsters on the bench, giving a few players a rest who maybe need it more than others. Yeah, I'm, I'm well up for a bit of rotation. I think um, focus on the league, obviously, it's not as nice as a cup run is. I think what we could really do with this season is a steady league performance. We've not seen it in a while, so... I'm up for him rotating as much as he wants to, really. Um, rotate the keeper, give Rafa the rest. They've all played, like, the four games that we played, they've all been the starting eleven. So try and give as many of them as possible a rest. Maybe bring people like Teddy Howe in at right back. Obviously, Obita might come back at left back. More, I think, he had his arm in a sling. He should probably be given a rest. Um, Miazga's been on the bench last few weeks, so give him a start. Um, Adam, potentially give him a rest. Like... Um, like you said there, bring Elise in. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what he does. But I'm, I'm not really that fussed if he does a full rotation even. Yeah, I think I'd agree. It, like, I would pretty much take anybody anybody rotated out for anybody else to come back in. I don't really think there's any necessary need to be playing a, a full strength side. If, if Blackpool beat us, Blackpool beat us. It's one of those things. And as you say, Eric, I think... Uh, a steady league performance is probably the uh, main focus this season now. Um, we're only five points off the playoffs after all, and we do have a game in hand. You know, the dream is still alive for those of you. Who did, uh, for those of you who did place your bets at massively long odds of Reading to get promoted at the start of the season, um, don't throw away your bet slips just yet. Um, so Paul is going to be back this weekend with the podcast following the Blackpool game. So make sure you uh, check that one out. Before then, obviously, stop by our Facebook page and our Instagram page if you haven't already. Get following us on there. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you after the Blackpool game at the weekend. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>